So here's the question. How do active people in the Atlanta area stay pain-free and live the active, fulfilled life that they deserve at any age? This is the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Danny Matei, and welcome to the Active Atlanta podcast. The Active Atlanta podcast is sponsored by Athletes Potential. At Athletes Potential, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active doing the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better for life. Head to athletespotential.com to learn how we can help you stay active for life today. What is up, Atlanta, and welcome back to the Active Atlanta Podcast. I'm your host, I'm your host, Doc Jake Swore, and today we have a really interesting conversation to have. Uh, I'm so excited for this one. We have personal trainer and CrossFit coach Katie O'Brien, who is also a PhD candidate in music teaching and learning. And we were having a really interesting conversation before we got going here about just how similar teaching the French somebody to play the French horn is to teaching them how to deadlift and how those two worlds can interconnect. So I'm really excited about this, guys. I think it's going to be super cool. So without further ado, Katie O'Brien, uh, thank you so much for getting on the podcast. No, thank you. This is awesome. Yeah. So give me the spark notes, man. What's your background? Like, how did you get into coaching? You're a PhD candidate, like, uh, in music and learning. Like, um, what's what's kind of your MO here? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess both are kind of <laughs> weird journeys. Um, as far as the music thing, my undergrad was a double major of vocal performance and music ed. From there, I was a middle school music teacher, uh, band, chorus, general music for five years. Nice. And I kind of stumbled upon the field of music cognition um, and found a music psychology master's. Had to go to England for that. <laughs> so yeah. Quite oh, my gosh. Enrolled in the US. Wait, you went to England to get your master's? I did. I don't think I knew that. That's amazing. I don't think it's come up. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I would, right? <laughs> yeah. But... Uh... <laughs> That's super cool. So you got your master's in, in, in what then? Music psychology. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So prior to that is when I kind of stumbled into the whole personal training thing. Okay. Um, and there I really have to shout out to my old boss, um, Matt Clare. So nice. he's back home in upstate New York uh, yeah. where I moved from. And I, I kind of my whole life was like interested in personal training, but thought, oh, I'm not fit enough. I couldn't possibly. So when I graduated with the double major, um, that took four and a half years. So I couldn't yeah. get a full-time teaching job. I was just looking for a free gym membership, honestly. Yeah. Like yeah. looking for a desk a huge job. perk of being a coach for sure. Oh, well, I mean, I was looking for a desk job. So I was like, oh, I can't yeah. be a trainer, but I can be at a desk yeah. <laughs> and just as a side <laughs> thing and get a free membership. Cause I was used to having the college gym. Yep. Uh, and so I have this weird streak, knock on wood, where any job I've ever interviewed for, I've ended up being offered. And nice. that's here. So we what Matt and I sat through the whole interview and we get to the end and he's like, awesome. So uh what certifications do you have? And yeah. I'm like, um none. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really interested, but yeah. I don't have them yet. And so he's like, oh okay, well um I'm the desk job, but absolutely let me know if you get any certifications. We'd love to have you. Um, mm. But you can work out for free right now if you want. And I was like, woohoo. So I'm yeah. working out I'm like halfway through my workout and he stops me and he's like, don't stop, like finish your workout. But when you're done, 
I want you to meet the boss. Right, like the owner. And I'm like, oh, whatever. Mm-hmm, yeah, cool. yeah, um, I yeah. go back <laughs> and they're like, so here's the deal. We really like you. In looking at you work out, you know what you're doing. We need a spin instructor. We'll pay for your certification. Will you do it? And mind you, I hated spinning. Like absolutely hated <laughs> it. But I'm like free job, free certification and free gym membership. Like Yes. I just got out of college. Yes. I will take that. Um, So I started as a spin instructor. And then from there, um, Matt kind of kept pushing me like, you know, you really should go for the personal trainer thing. So I ended up doing that. um, And then that along with teaching music at the same time, kind of led me to this performance psychology thing that I was really interested in um, and sort of like getting people out of their own way when they're Mm -hmm. learning something new. And that's what then led to, okay, how can I mix these two worlds? And that's where the the masters came in. Oh, that's so cool. Um, And uh, man, I think it's so music is something that is very interesting to me. Um, One, um, well, that's probably interesting to a lot of people, right? Like, do you think about like, yeah, you, much more interesting to you on, on a scientific level, but like, uh, just from like an anecdotal level, uh, you know, I've got a little one-year-old now. Right. And since the time that dude could like, I don't know, comprehend sounds, right. He was, uh, music was influential on his mood. Right. Um, and he's like, and now he can, he can walk. Right. So now he's like dancing, you know, like when certain beats come on, he like, likes certain beats. It's not just like, he's like, uh, dancing to anything. Right. Um, when he was a, when he was just a newborn, like, uh, that, uh, what is it? Somewhere over the rainbow, uh, was a song that like soothed him. Right. So like the, um, elemental side of music for human behavior is something that I think is super interesting. Cause then it's like, man, like back in the day, you get broke. You you're trying to get back with a girl you broke up with. You made a uh, mix CD, right? Like the emotional draw on, on music is super interesting too. Yeah. And I, I was actually going to bring that up, that idea of beat synchrosity, like it, it's built into us and we still don't quite know why music affects us so much. I mean, evolutionarily, there's no, it doesn't get us food. It doesn't get us water. It doesn't necessarily get us sex, yeah. right? Like, yeah. so why why do we have why does music have such a pervasive impact on us? Um, yeah. So there's still a lot of questions to ask. But the idea of like moving to a beat mm-hmm. is biological. That is built in us, and like one species of cockatiel have that. Like no. dogs <laughs> don't have that, right? So. Yeah. From a movement and music standpoint, which again, are those like two worlds that I kind of straddle between the idea that we are meant to move, we are meant to respond to music. So that how can I, as a teacher, um, help people to do that? Yeah, dude, that's awesome. I think um, like, uh, do you think like, is there... Do you think it helps us like tell stories like uh, or like from a communication standpoint, like maybe that's like biologically like why uh, we enjoy music is it's um, or like uh, maybe you could tell stories through dance or tells like uh, like communication is like the easiest or storytelling is the easiest form of communication. Right. So um, I wonder if there's something along the lines with like passing stories down or whatever. I don't know. Um, yeah, but there's definitely been some on that um, more on the vocal end because you have lyrics. Um, oh, but yeah, the- that's true. 
loves stories. It's how we best remember stuff. So I yeah. mean, the brain's making up stories half the All time. The time. So like Man, instrumental stuff or like the role that it, uh, an instrumental track has on our influence of a film. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, that's that story construction and Man, there's so crazy. many questions in that area that haven't been explored yet. So yeah, I think I the mean, question was like, what's interesting? That's interesting. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, do you notice, um, is there any beats? So like, do you try to bring in like uh, with your training or with your personal training or with your workout classes? Like, do you try to influence people's movement with music? <laughs> I do. They're Love all it. in a lab and they don't know it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's part amazing. of it's for my entertainment. Like I'm there coaching. I cannot listen to the same thing over and over. Like I will know. Yep. I could not do it. Um, so I make a lot of playlists. Um, oh, that's sweet. Shout out, to, shout out to my Spotify. Um, yeah. What's your Spotify? Know, I'll definitely subscribe like, to that. If I know the intensity of the workout, I'll try to match. I mean, there, there's various elements. There's, you know, beats per minute. There's emotional valence. Um, there's yeah. all kinds of things that influence um, the mood that's going to arise from music. And then just trying to please the people. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I, there's I some of that for sure. There's, there's something for everybody. It may not necessarily be your day, but tomorrow might be. So if I, yep. you know, take a read of the class, how old are they? You know, what do I know about them? Yep. I, I try to keep the people happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's like, um, so we'll do some, we'll do like a little bit of small group training in the morning. Right. And uh, we have such a, an eclectic group of humans that roll in there, just like you do like any other gym, right? Um, but we've got like, uh, so we've got this one playlist that has like a couple hundred songs on it at this point. And we just keep adding to it based off the response of the members in the gym. And we've got songs from like the 60s in there, as well as like, so, like modern day hip hop, right? And so like, it's such, and like when that, when that playlist carries over into our patient care day, uh, people are always like, this is the most eclectic playlist i've ever heard i think i just heard like um like i don't know uh like i've got the world wrapped around a string right uh or wrapped around my finger uh to like some beyonce and then we had some dmx and then we had some 80s rock and roll right like uh it's super <laughs> super eclectic <laughs> yeah i guess mine are more like thematic so i'll have a playlist that's more similar. And I think that's it, so much smarter. Yeah. I don't think I could do even from a coaching standpoint. <laughs> that's that's a lot. Well, you know, what's interesting too, is like those older songs, they, they didn't, they, they don't transfer over the digital as well. Right. So like, uh, like it might be a little bit quieter than the rest of the playlist or like, uh, but man, we got some people in their seventies that go in there and train and like, they, uh, they love it. So we're going to keep rocking and rolling with it. Um, yeah. anyway, uh, so then with your uh with your music background then so like you say like they become like little test tubes for you your, your workout classes right um yeah. what are some have you noticed anything like uh like oh man when we hit a song that's got like this beat per minute um we get some more deadlift prs or like uh mm. on testing date like this makes a lot of sense to have this or like if um if we're warming up or cooling down it makes more sense to have a song that's got this many beats per minute or just like a this general like whatever metric it is that you look at that's not just beats per minute yeah i mean it, the the scenario is not as controlled as a, a lab yeah. experience should be <laughs> um so as far as big takeaways i mean if we're working on skill if we're 
you know, not necessarily going mm. for a PR, but we're, we're doing a drill or something. I specifically try to have music that has less words. Mm-hmm. Um, words are distracting. Um, and it's just in general, more of a background kind of thing. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, with like trying to have these big universal truths, um, yeah, yeah. it's time to throw down when we are going for that PR, when we are in a test workout people are going to have their best performance when the music is self-selected. And yeah. that is what mm. every study ever is like, yep, th- this is the one thing that we can say across the board. So if you love Beyonce, that's going to be yours. If you love Beethoven, like that's going to be yours. Yeah. Um, I cannot <laughs> get everybody's. Yeah. So, that's, that more, makes a lot of sense, more right? More testing would be needed. Is yeah. <laughs> research can that's, <laughs> this that's is the nice. research proposal? Yeah, yeah. That's the academia uh, speak there. Um, <laughs> this is outside of my scope. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite thing to yeah. say. Oh man, well that's yeah. You know, what I've come to find out in movement sciences, um, and uh, this is anecdotally as well as what the literature continuously demonstrates, right? Is uh, it's kind of like the more we try to influence humans and from a movement standpoint, the more or like the more we realize like we're kind of messing things up. Right. Like, uh, like, and it's, and it's wild. Right. So like there's for a long, for the longest time and there's, and you know, if we're going to speak universal truths, right. Like first things first, like there is very few universal truths. Right. Um, and anybody that tries to speak in absolutes is um, either trying to push a product or an idea or um, something that's maybe they don't know the full story anyway. Um like this idea of like the perfect running shoe, right? Um, and having to go through and get like all this special testing and make sure that you and that you have oh you overpronate, but then you have you don't have as much uh, you don't have as much midline stability, or um, oh you know you need you need less of a heel drop, da 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 da, right? Like um, well, there are bumper guard things that we want to look at and ensure. Really, at the end of the day, this the military ran this massive um, randomized control trial where they essentially like took two groups. The control group was just like, Hey man, go pick whatever shoe you want. Uh, you know, just make sure it feels comfortable. Right. And then the other group was like fitted by a special, um, specific for, for a shoe specifically for them. Right. And when they went back and looked at the data, there was no difference in performance. And actually there's a little bit, no difference in injury rate and or a marginal difference in injury rate. And really there was better performance than the people that self-selected their shoes. Right. So like, um, self-selecting music kind of makes sense. We kind of figure out as we get older, I guess, or as we age, what we like, what we perform well in, what we feel comfortable with. Um, and that comfort impacts performance the most, I think, at the end of the day. Interesting that there wasn't a placebo effect with uh, the shoe is specifically for you. Yeah. So much performance is mindset too. Yeah. And, you know, there probably could have been, um, I guess, because like they went back and looked at this study like a year after or like a, like, you know, a year, like a year's worth of data, right? Versus, um, I don't know. There probably was a quick placebo effect. Like, oh yeah, I feel good in this. Right. But like when you're running, I mean, that's pretty data driven, right? Like there's, there's only so much you can do. Like uh, there's only so much feeling good can do, or like that placebo effect can do from like uh training progression over a long period of time or injury rates. So like, um, yeah, I agree though. The placebo effect. Oh, true. Cause they were looking at performance over time, not a specific trial. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were looking over time. Yeah, because I'm I bet you in a specific time, right? Like they're like, hey, we're gonna give you this specific shoe and then we're gonna go test your mile time, right? Like, and this shoe's built for you, it's gonna help you run faster. Yeah, there's gonna be there if I had to bet money, it would be on that on that group for sure, you know. 
Um, anyway, uh, so going back to music then, you know, what's really interesting about music though, is, um, who was I talking? I think I was talking to Sam about this and maybe he's got this conversation from you, but like, um, (laughs) uh, it's wild to me. The, um, uh, the amount of data that goes into, and the amount of research that goes into creating environments and like casinos, right? So like Mm -hmm. casinos, they're going to control every aspect of your sensory experience there. So regardless of that sight, right? Like what do you see when you first walk in? Like how like uh, smells, right? They're going to look at, but then also sounds like uh, they'll pump in like either certain music around certain things, um, like the concentration side of things, or they're going to be pumping in like uh, the sound of like machines winning so that um, it sounds like more people are winning and it kind of gets you um, uh, um, excited to gamble, right? So then has any of your research, I know, most of it's probably been on like, uh, but has any of your research been on uh, corporations and how they use music to influence human behavior? None of my direct research. Um, okay. but yeah, that's a, that's a different thread. And I mean, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people are trying to keep you in the building, doing the things that they want you to do. Um, but yeah, my, my specific research is on performance psychology and education. Okay. Um, a little less manipulative maybe <laughs> yeah yeah for sure yeah or manipulative in the best of ways right like we're trying to make right. you- <laughs> i just want you to be better <laughs> yeah so then what is what is your data showing like explain to me so you're a phd candidate right now um what does your research look at exactly and what have been some cool things that you found yeah um so i'm at the dissertation stage right now so at this point i'm pretty focused in on my own project Prior to this, um, I've done some looking into uh, music cognition, so like how music affects the brain in terms of music therapy. So there too, kind of the physical and musical worlds colliding. Um, So I've been on projects looking at active music therapy. So active being we are playing instruments um, as opposed Mm -hmm. to listening to music for schizophrenia, um, developing Mm -hmm. a piano training app to rehabilitate the hand after Parkinson's and stroke. Again, sort of like that beat synchronicity. There, there's so many uh, music to movement connections that are really right. worth exploring. Um, but at this point, we're zoned in on my dissertation. So dissertation yeah. is on music performance anxiety. And so where I'm trying to add to the conversation is most of the research has been on adults and undergrads, which at that point, anxiety is a learned behavior. Yep. And so at that point, we can, you know, maybe make it better, but not necessarily rid you of your performance anxiety. So I'm curious from an educational standpoint, uh, when I was teaching, I saw a lot of kids dropping out of musical study. And at this point, anxiety is, is talked about enough that kids are able to say, like, performing makes me anxious and that's why I'm quitting. And mm. so if we're going to tout all of these lifelong benefits of music education and a bunch of people are dropping out because of anxiety, that seems worth exploring to me. And mm. we were talking before we started recording is like, I meet a lot of adults who will say, oh, I wish I had stuck with it or I wish yeah. I had done it. But someone told them down the line that they weren't talented or something like that. Mm. So first step is just seeing how prevalent is performance anxiety in I'm looking at middle school because yep. that's when typically those performing ensembles start as well as you're developing a sense of self. Yeah. Um, and then just seeing what are their experiences like 
Yep. From there, I'm hoping down the line to be looking at pedagogical interventions. Like, is there a way that we are teaching music that is making this worse? Are there things we can do to make this better? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, for some reason, the first place my brain went when you said that was uh, the movie Drumline. Have you seen that movie? Oh. You have <laughs> with Nick Cannon, <laughs> right? Um, the couldn't read music but was a baller drummer um but yeah, that's the case for so many people yeah so i think man is there a way that you can teach music better in a way that doesn't create such an anxiety or such a like a, a rigid format of doing it can we pr- uh, provoke more creativity which is interesting because like music is a creative it is creativity in itself like right so um that's a really interesting thought process uh yeah and i totally agree you know i think like um being able to have an outlet to help you with your anxiety um, is super important. And if uh, performance is the only way to get into music and and that performance makes you anxious, then like we're kind of um, running like full or taking two step or one step forward, two steps back in that. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so as far as what I've found, I mean, first I kind of started with what has been done with this. Yeah. So I did a content analysis of, what's been communicated about performance anxiety to music educators. So I looked yeah. at the practitioner journals and one found not a lot. So yeah. if our educators don't know, that's not helpful. Um, but a lot of it was initially this superstition of what do you mean? Music makes you anxious. Music is the cure for anxiety and this sort of suck it up mentality. That's mm. obviously not helpful. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, bringing it back to fitness, I feel like there too is an environment where we should be empowering more people to engage in it at whatever level. Like I don't need every student that I have to then go be a professional performer. I don't need all of my clients to go be professional athletes, Mm. but I do want you to be able to move and I do want you to be able to enjoy life as soapboxes yeah. this is now sounding um that's no, great I yeah think but then, like how can we get you out of your own way that anxiety is not holding you back from these activities because music and fitness can both be really intimidating spaces i feel oh like if gosh, you, feel, you sure. know if someone's not talented or not fit i mean i ran into that myself i was like i'm not fit enough to be a trainer right and, Oh my gosh. Well, the first thing you do when you walk in like gyms, CrossFit gyms have gotten better for sure. But, um, I remember when I first started back in in the world of CrossFit and like you walk in, like everybody's like yoked, right? Like shirtless, super, like super loud. And it's like, whoa, whoa. I I don't know, man. Like, like, uh, ridiculous things. Yeah. Right. I'm (laughs) like, you're there. Like, how do I fit in this space? Totally. And it's super welcoming, which is like, you know, it's like this Mm -hmm. interesting thing. So like, it, it definitely wasn't a, it's just the optics of it, but it's also the performance side of it, right? Like, um, yeah. So, and, and what a timely time or a timely time, what a timely, um, frame for your, uh, research to be getting delivered on because, uh, with COVID, like we've seen it with our, with the parents that we work with who have, you know, have kids in middle school, high school age, like anxiety is just through the roof right now. Um, you know, it's like you, you've thrown this interesting wrench and like where kids were, working remote essentially right like homeschool uh on a computer screen all day and now they're th- being thrust back into daily activity or like hanging out with kids all day and uh the anxiety that we're seeing is just skyrocketing and uh, i would assume technology plays a huge piece in that 
And we can, and I really love the research that you're doing to be able to counteract that with like, well, hold on. Can we play some music? Can we have fun doing while we play some music? Can we, can we move? Like, and how can we use music to eliminate the anxiety that we're, that we're seeing? Yeah. Or at least reduce, right? I don't know if you can ever. Right. The the word I keep using is mitigate. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. 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 I think it's a lot like, um, (laughs) there's so much carry over here. It's like when we work with people, um, at our clinic, right? Like, um, the idea of living an absolute pain-free life for the rest of eternity is pretty, is pretty, um, uh, it'd be awesome if that could happen for you. Right. Um, the likelihood is, is pretty minimal, right? Like, um, especially if you're going to be training, you're going to get nicked up a little bit sometimes and that's okay. Um, that's just, how can we make you resilient enough to where like, um, getting nicked up like that doesn't lead to you having to stop doing what you love and you, um, having to, um, get a surgery or progressing to a really bad place. Right. And, uh, making it last for days instead of weeks or months, you know, um, and kind of the same thing with, with music and anxiety, right? Like we can't, we can't mitigate it. And you kind of like, and I'm sure you've know this with all of your, with all your research and your education, but like a little bit of anxiety is good. It's good for performance. Oh, yeah right? Like that can be your secret weapon. Like it can, it can squeeze the best out of you. Right. But like too much of a good thing is a bad thing. Right. So like, how can we stay within the controllable limits where like you can use anxiety as your superpower versus your kryptonite? Yeah, for sure. Um, that's awesome. So, uh, is there a particular instrument that you look at more so, or is it just, uh, or what are you, what are you seeing in terms of like with your research right now, what's the end result that you're going to, that you're going to defend? Um, so what I'm trying to look at is all of the performing ensembles. So I mean, the typical ones being band, chorus and orchestra to see if there are differences Mm. at the middle school level, there just hasn't been enough research yet. I mean, there's three studies that come to mind and one was just banned you yeah. know, so just to see, okay, what are their differences? Because I'm sure there are just structurally. I mean, in chorus, it's your voice. Right. And there's huge identity stuff with that, as opposed to I'm holding an external instrument and that's kind of blocking me from whoever's watching sure. me play. Um, but, you know, if I play a melody playing instrument versus I'm in the back playing a bass line, there could be differences there. So nothing specific yet. <laughs> yeah. Just data collection. I love it. What would be like the next step that you'd want to take from this? Do you have next step that you'd want to take? Hmm, I, uh, from dissertation? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping to get a job. So that'd be, good. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be <laughs> great, right? Yeah. Health insurance. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, sort of looking into the, the pedagogical aspects. So once I know, okay, is this prevalent? What are the experiences like? Then how can we make it better? Yeah. That would be the the future research line. Yeah. Which makes a ton of sense. You don't know what, you can't know what to improve if you don't know what needs to improve. Right. That's the thing I started, you know, in development, I had uh, an intervention and a pre-test, post-test and all this stuff. And uh, one of my professors, (laughs) my advisor was like, so how prevalent is music performance anxiety in middle school? Yeah. Oh, that's a great Gosh. question. <laughs> he was like, yeah, the study you're proposing is about 10 studies ahead. Yeah. We need to know how prevalent this is. So I was like, yeah, yeah that's, that's good. Thank you for letting me know. <laughs> 
getting super granular. I think that's probably the hardest thing is like how granular granular can you get and then elaborate and then expand from there, not elaborate, but expand from there. Yeah. And uh, a lot of times it's like, like you said, it's 10 layers deeper than you think it needs to be. Right. Um, Oh man, that's awesome. So then with your, with your uh, personal training side, um, you've been personal training all throughout your PhD candidacy. Um, you've been a personal trainer for how many years now? Six as of June. Yeah. Amazing. Personal trainer for six years. Um, what does uh, a training session? So you're a personal trainer as well as a CrossFit coach. You co- you coach over at RX, the great uh, love RX. You guys do great work over there. Um, what does a um, personal training session look like with you? Yeah, I mean the, the great thing about personal training is the fact that it is personal, right? Yeah. So a session is going to look very different person to person, how old they are, what their fitness level is, what their goals are. Um, so grand scheme, what I try to do is figure out what the person wants, mm-hmm. what the person needs as far as longevity goes. So if there are glaring mobility things or stability things or, yeah. okay, this person just does cardio. Can I get them to do a little bit of strength? Cause that's really important for bones <laughs> and muscles and whatnot. Um, yeah. So kind of mixing what their goals are and then what they need just to have the quality of life that they want to have long-term. Um, yeah. So a lot of it is behavior and psychology. And that that's where, you know, we were having a conversation of, Oh, teaching someone the French horn is like teaching someone to deadlift. Um, it, it's very much a, a teaching role for me and just yeah. figuring out who the person is, how, I can best work with that being yeah. who I am. I mean, yeah. as, as you know, from what you do, different people respond to different kinds of cues. Not that we're going to totally change our personalities, but right. you, know, you got to bend them a little bit to, to fit the vibe of the room, right? Yeah. Yeah. You got to yeah. read the room <laughs> yeah. and yeah. see what's gonna be most effective for the client that's in front of you. Ah, man. I think that's, uh, and you know, I think that's a really, um, I love that answer because there really wasn't an answer there, right? Uh, and, oh, good. <laughs> and I mean that in the best of ways. The PhD then, just yeah. like, do here are yeah. some words that sound smart, but I didn't yeah. say anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it just, I, like an answer like that is is really uh, insightful for me, right? Because like, um, w- like, not that we are like the experts in everything, but like we can typically tell when somebody um, really like has like their thinking cap on, if that makes sense. Right. Uh, versus just, this is the way I train. So this is how I train other people, you know? Um, so the fact that like, uh, uh, your training sessions are going to look, are going to be pretty dependent on the person that walks in, but the common thread is that we're going to take a deep dive into, uh, where you are and where you're trying to go and what tools you have to get there and where your holes at. Right. Like, um, that being the common thread, I think that's an amazing thing that most people should look for in a trainer or a coach or group fitness or uh, whatever their route to fitness um, or on this podcast and since uh, musical talent uh, or musical coaching is. So um, no, I think that's great. I think that's super smart that there's not like, oh, well, we're going to test this, 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 and this. Um, it's like, well, we're going to see what the person is. testing. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I'll out myself as a trainer. I, I would like to think I've gotten a lot smarter um, yeah. and I've found the more I've done this, the more 
nuanced answers I give or when a client asks a question or when I'm giving, when I'm training something specific and I'm trying to to fix a movement pattern Um, or, you know, if someone asks me like, oh, what should my squat stance be? The answers I give are much more nuanced than when I first started out. I apologize to anyone who was my client. I was nice. (laughs) You know, people liked me. They, They still signed up, but I very much went by the book and okay, day one, we're going to talk what you want. And then we're going to run these tests. And then based off of that, we're going to do this, this, and this. And a lot of it was training them in the way that I trained myself. Cause that's all I knew. Yeah. Um, and I had a lot of people doing a lot of high intensity interval training, but yeah. <laughs> looking back, I'm like, man, any trainer can make you sweaty and any trainer yep. can make you out of breath. Yep. But did that actually make you fitter? Did that bring you closer to your goals? Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. And then taking the time to know what the goals even are, right? Like it may be like, oh, I need to say that I want to lose 20 pounds if that's why I'm working with a trainer, right? But like, do you? Like, what does that do? Right. Like, how does that make your life any better? Like, uh, well, you know, like uh, I just I want to get, I want to be able to do this thing that's coming up. Like, oh, okay. So that's it's our thing. Yep. Yeah. 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 So that's our goal. Like a lot of times vanity can be used. And I think as a society, we're getting better, but I think vanity can be used as almost like an excuse for reaching out for help versus like what some of our truer um, uh, desires are when we do reach out for help, especially in the physical or the fitness realm, right? Um, or the health and wellness realm at that. Um, we get it all the time. People come in and they're like, Oh, we have, um, I've got this knee pain. It's like, Oh, why do you have knee pain? Like, Oh, why I was squatting? Well, why do you want to squat? Oh, I want to get stronger. Well, why do you want to get stronger? And then by the time we get, by the time we play the 20 question game, right. Um, uh, we start to realize like what health and wellness really means to that person. And then your lens that you're working through is so much clearer than just, um, cool. Let's get you out of pain and move and move on. Right. Um, so yeah, I love that you do that. It's as a personal trainer. relationship and it's more of a community of care i want to say like for sure you're involved in it right you said a deep-seated reason for why you want x yep okay good now now you vocalize that that's important (laughs) right (laughs) you aware of that (laughs) yeah that's huge right we can work from there yeah yeah that's huge and then it's like um well, and it's just good too. We're like, we want to be like, uh, we want to be that coach in your corner, not the one leading the show, right? Like you're, you're the star, right? Like, uh, you know, if we want to be like real kind of wooey with this, like you're the star, you're like health and wellness journey, right? Regardless if that's fitness, personal, uh, training injuries, just walking, just being active for your family. Like you are the star in your own movie. That is your life. Right. Um, my job is the one to- body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. it. <laughs> And my role is not to be the star of your movie. My role is just to help. Like I'm just the, the, the set director, right? Like I'm the one like setting things up for you to be the most successful. That's all I want to be. Um, so and the, I think taking that role of allowing the person to be their best self is, and like, and like knowing how, what that means to that person is um, super important when you're working, regardless of it's fitness um, or healthcare. Yeah. yeah. And it's just the coolest role of like empowering other people. So yeah, I mean, all, all the jobs I've had, music teaching, training, they all have that aspect to it. And yeah. so then kind of figuring out for myself, oh, wait, this is really what I like. And I want to be better at that. 
Yeah. Oh man, that's great. Well, Katie, if somebody wanted to, if somebody's like really, uh, if we got a musician that's listening to this, right, and they're like, "Ooh, I want to, I want to work with this person," um, would be some cool ways for them to get in contact with you, or maybe learn a little bit more about you, or uh, or is there a way? Yeah. Is this like dropping socials? Is that you can drop socials for sure? Yeah, you can drop socials. You can drop like if you get your own website, or if you want to drop RXs, like whatever the best way to get in contact with you. Yeah. Um, I need to pull up what my social is. I don't actually have it memorized. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, email, my email is fairly long, uh, but it's my name, Katie O'Brien, uh, K-T-O-B, followed by those four letters at Gmail. I okay. do work at Hospital Rx. So that is a really great way to get to me. Um, if you're new, we do uh, four one-on-one fundamentals sessions um, yeah. and there's a variety of coaches. They're all great. Um, but my name is Katie. If, yeah. if you want to work with me there, yeah. uh, my Insta handle, yeah. Let's when hear I it. pull it up, oh, I should have had that memorized. Uh, so it's right. there's K-T-O-B and then underscore and then Rose. Rose. Okay. Like R-O-S-E? Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, it's interesting, you know, like so many people are like, um, we get them on the podcast, like you have a website, you have you're like, no, just reach out to me via DM on uh, Instagram. I'm like, all right, that is, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the easiest, I guess, which kind of makes sense. That's where most people spend most of their time anyway. So, um, Katie, this has been a great, we've talked about, man, we've talked about, uh, um, music theory. We've talked about, uh, how to, what music is best for PR in your deadlift. We've talked about, um, the importance of communication and understand listening and coaching, um, Thank you so much for getting on the show and get and ex- just giving some of your background and your knowledge. It's been super insightful. And um, I hope somebody was able to listen to this and take a lot away from it. Cause I definitely was. No, thank you. It's really rare that I get to actually mix the worlds. Normally I get a, wait, you're majoring in music or wait, you're a personal trainer. And then I'm like, but they're so similar. So thanks <laughs> yeah. for letting me just spew about how I think they're similar <laughs> for a yeah. half hour. Oh man, I think they're great. So um, yeah, absolutely, guys, and for sure, like uh, look up Katie if you're in the um, like Candler Park area, or if you're like a uh, Kirkwood Decatur spot, like she's great. She'll be uh, she'll she'd love to help you out. So Katie, thank you so much for getting on the podcast. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Athletes Potential and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free in life, head over to athletespotential.com to learn more.